sermon, our sermon text this morning comes from Mark, the very first chapter, verses 9 through 15. There are two things that happen in these, these verses, uh, two very important things, amongst uh, the many things that uh, Mark touches upon. The first thing is the, the power of baptism. And the witness that Jesus gives us in baptism. The second thing is Jesus' proclamation of good news that the kingdom of God is near. So hear these verses. In those days Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water... He saw the heavens torn apart and the Spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, the Beloved. With you I am well pleased. And the Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness forty days, tempted by Satan. He was with wild beasts and the angels waited on him. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. That's God's word for us this morning from the Gospel of Matthew. One of the interesting things about uh, the Gospel of Matthew is how quickly Matthew moves through events in the life of Jesus. So that which Matthew deals with in just a few short verses, uh, Jesus' baptism, Jesus' temptation in the wilderness. John the Baptist, we are told, uh, is died, has been executed. And then Jesus beginning his preaching ministry as he comes from the wilderness into Galilee. All those things John deals with in about six, six or seven verses. If you were reading Matthew or reading Luke, you'd read chapters about those events. Not just a few short verses. But Mark's got a specific intent in mind as he begins his gospel... He wants us to know that the kingdom of God is near, and he wants us to to move quickly to what uh, many scholars have called the extended passion story that Mark offers. Most of Mark's gospel, over a third of the gospel in Mark, is devoted to Jesus' uh, final days. Jesus uh, coming into Jerusalem, the Last Supper, the trial, the crucifixion, and the resurrection. Mark is intent on getting us to that point and getting us there quickly. But in these few short verses, Mark does some important things. First of all, he talks to us in this narrative about baptism. And we could ask ourselves some some questions about Baptism in this church or in our denomination. Uh, One of the big questions that I get frequently is, why immersion? 
why do we put people under the water? Why isn't uh, pouring water on their head or, or getting my hand uh, wet and putting it on top of their head? Why isn't that sufficient? Well, in our earliest beginnings, back in the early 1800s in this country, four Presbyterian ministers uh, acting and working uh, really independently from one another, but they all came to the same conclusion that in their study of Scripture, Jesus was baptized by immersion, and therefore if we are followers of Christ... One of the first things that we want to do is follow Jesus in a baptism like his. So it's a public witness. It could be public before family and friends. It could be public in a worship setting. But we do that to let other people know that we have made a decision to follow Christ. And so we baptize by immersion to follow Jesus' example in baptism. In the act of baptism itself, we identify with Jesus. We identify with his death, we go under the water. We identify with his resurrection, we come out of the water. And then we walk from those waters to newness of life. We walk as followers of Christ. We walk having made our commitment to follow. Now, in our earliest beginnings, we believed that if you weren't baptized by immersion, you weren't baptized. And so we insisted for many, many decades that if you were going to become a part of the Christian unity movement, that one way to do that was to experience, uh, that we all experience the same kind of baptism, immersion. Now, over those decades, we have come to realize, and at least for the last 60 or 70 years, we have come to know that other expressions of Christian baptism are valid, are true, are to be honored, are to be recognized, are to be appreciated. Uh, We realize somewhere along the way, as Paul says to the Corinthian church, 1 Corinthians 13, love does not exist on its own way. We, We realized that if we were going to be who we say we are, Christians, that we would not insist on our own way. So that if a person comes into this fellowship or the fellowship of any disciples church, having already had a baptismal experience, Whatever that baptismal experience may have been, we honor that. We recognize that as a true baptism, as a valid baptism, and we welcome them into the fellowship of this church. Mark, in his gospel, in in talking about the baptismal event, also connects it with repentance with confessing uh, our sins. We make a statement, an affirmation of faith. Yes, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. But there's also an acknowledgement in that, 
in, in baptism of, say, of, of our need for forgiveness. Of our need to confess before God that we're not all that uh, we should be. And there's a difference between sin and mistakes. We don't like to uh, use the word sin, or at least uh, in many circles. Uh, it makes us uncomfortable to say the word sin. It makes us uncomfortable to talk about being ashamed of our behavior or being shamed. But, in point of fact, sin is different from a mistake. I, I can stand on the starting blocks at a, in a swimming pool in a swim meet, or I can stand at uh, the beginning of a, uh, the starting line at a, at, a, uh, at a race, and the uh, starter's gun can go off, but if I beat the gun, if I jumped in the pool too early, or if I started too early, that's a false start, that's a mistake. It's not a sin, it's a mistake. I left too early, and they'll get me out of the water, they'll stop me from running down the track, and they'll put me back at the the beginning again, do it right this time. You made a mistake. Now, at some point in those kind of settings, if you keep making the same mistake, they'll determine that it's a sin, and they'll kick you out of the race. But a sin is different than mistake. A sin is disobedience, uh, disobedience to a righteous and holy God, being disobedient. So a sin can involve all, all kinds of things. But if we are being dishonest, uh, if we are stealing in whatever way, if we are abusing other people, if we're being insensitive, unjust in the way we treat other people, that's sinful behavior. If we're ignoring people who have needs around us because we just don't have time, that's not a mistake. That's sin. So sin is being disobedient to a righteous and holy God, not following God's will, not even perhaps not even paying attention to God's will. And in our confession, another th- question that has to be asked when we are confessing, you know, God, I have uh, I have I have sinned before you this week, whatever whatever the sin may be. In confessing or asking or saying that we're sorry, the other question that we might need to ask ourselves is, are we truly sorry? Because that's what John talks about in his baptism. That's what Mark describes. You repent, you change. Are we truly sorry? Or are we just sorry that we got caught? And if you listen to uh, radio, either news radio or sports talk radio, every week, there's somebody that's apologizing, saying they're sorry for something. And then if you listen to those news programs or or sports talk programs, the very thing, the next thing that happens, which may be a sin in and of itself, the very next thing that happens is 
questioning whether the, the apology was sincere. Are they really sorry? Or are they just sorry they got caught? And, and that may be a sin in this regard, that when I do that, uh, I am trying to judge somebody else's heart, somebody else's motive, somebody else's spirit. But it is a question worth asking. Are you sorry? Contrite? You know, you need forgiveness. Or are you sorry you got caught? And maybe if I, if I say I'm sorry, uh, things will go easier for me. We confess. We follow Jesus. And we recognize that just like all of us make mistakes... All of us at some point in our life will sin. And because we know that, we need assurance that the God that we have confessed that we believe in, that we have affirmed that we believe in through Jesus Christ is faithful to forgive. That nothing will separate us, even our sin, nothing will separate us from the love of God that's ours in Christ Jesus. God continues to love us. We can separate ourselves, we can put up the wall between ourselves and God by our disobedience. But God continues to love us. God continues to offer forgiveness. Other thing that Jesus does... In these few few short verses, as he talks about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God is like the kingdom of God. If the kingdom of God has come near, then what is the kingdom of God like? And in Mark 4, verses 26 through 29, Jesus says the kingdom of God is like a seed that's scattered. And when we go to sleep at night, we don't see anything out there. When we wake in the next morning or a couple mornings later, three or four mornings later, we start to see little sprouts. Something is happening. Even if we can't see it, if we can't feel it, even if we feel abandoned by God. And the Psalms are several Psalms where the psalmist, you know, is crying out to God, where are you? Even if we feel abandoned by God, Jesus says the kingdom of God is like this. Even if you can't see something right in this moment, something's happening. God does not abandon you. God is with you. It grows. It spreads. The kingdom of God comes near us. God comes near us. Our faith grows. Same chapter, Mark 4, beginning in verse 30. Jesus talks about our faith being like a mustard seed. Well, a small, tiny seed. The faith planted and the faith grows. So that when you're baptized, in your own baptism, in remembering your baptism, however that baptism occurred, when you know your own baptism, you know that it's a beginning You walk out of the water, you wade in the water, and then you walk out of the water. 
Do you know that's a beginning? It doesn't stop at that point. You continue to journey. You continue to grow. Your faith continues to blossom, to grow. And then in the Gospel of Luke, in the 15th chapter, a question is asked about this, this uh, Savior, about Jesus, and who he associates with. So the 15th chapter of Luke, which has uh, perhaps the best known of all the parables, the prod- parable, story of the prodigal son, it begins with this. Who is this guy who eats with sinners and tax collectors? That's our Savior. That's the one who sits down with us. That's the one who invites us to the communion table. It's not like those sinners way over there or out there. It's us sinners right here that Jesus sits down with and eats with and invites us to come near the kingdom of God. So in these 40, this 40-day journey that we call Lent, we have an opportunity to experience God coming near. G.K. Chesterton said uh, some years ago, Christianity hasn't been tried and found wanting. It's, be found, it's uh, been found difficult and left untried. So in our journey of faith, God doesn't promise us that everything will go perfectly, that everything will be a smooth path, that there won't be any twists and turns, there won't be, uh, you know, that, that uh, sometimes the road will get bumpy, that sometimes there'll be roadblocks. The road can be difficult for those trying to live in faith. But the way that we grow near to God is to wade in the water, to go in, to get messy, to get wet, to wade in there and let God come near to us and know that just as God was with us in the waters of baptism and however we experience that baptism, God continues to walk with us Every single day, God wades in the water with us. We thank God for that. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your grace, for your mercy, and for your love. Lord, we especially thank you for your forgiveness. For, Lord, you've assured us in that grace, in that forgiveness, that you're close, that you're near. And then nothing's going to separate us from you, from your love. We thank you in Christ's name. Amen.